Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Preview Review. I'm Tyler Ellison. And I'm Ryan Toon. If this is the third episode you're listening to... Then you've listened to them in order. Congratulations. One, two, three. You've made it. The first three numbers. Wow. You did it. If this is the first episode you're listening to, you probably have your streaming device on reverse chronological order, and that's weird. But we welcome you being a new fan of the show. Or you might be listening to the future and just click on episode three. Just as randomly. The one to start. Three yeah. is your favorite number. Three is a magic number, Tyler. It's so magical. But anyway, we love all fans, new and old, is what we're trying to say. Welcome. Here's what we do on this podcast, if this is your first time listening to us. Each episode, Ryan and I are going to break down four trailers that we've seen in the movie theater or on YouTube recently. And we're going to discuss our assumptions, likes, dislikes, initial thoughts, other random musings about the movies and the trailers themselves based on the insight that we get from the previews that are shown. And you may be asking, why are these two qualified? Well, the answer is, we're not. But we've seen a lot of movies and we've seen a lot of trailers. We go to the movies a lot. We just got back from the movies. We eat a lot of popcorn. Mm. We drink soda. Are on AMC A-list. Ooh, flex. Okay. Plug. <laughs> We're not sponsored. We're not sponsored. <laughs> but, but AMC, if you're listening. Yeah. They're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> they could be. But speaking of plugs, we do need to plug someone. Yes. So last episode we mentioned uh, we've been getting a lot of positive comments about our theme song. And we shouted out the awesome composer of that theme song, Matt Lockshaw. Today, we'd like to mention that we've been getting a lot of positive comments about our logo. And Artwork. so we'd like to shout out our awesome graphic designer, Hannah Olson, Woo. who did our logo artwork for us. And she is now the official second friend of the show. Ooh, friend of the show. Woo-hoo. Yay, congratulations, Hannah. You did it. You made Thanks, it on Hannah. the list. Perfect. It's very exclusive because there's only two people on the list so far. Yeah, well, it's only episode three. If you want to be a friend of the show... Do something for us, and then we'll <laughs> talk about it on the podcast. Based on the uh, qualifications I'd have by the first two members... Well, it's pretty high right now. ...of the Friend of the Show Club, you just have to be our actual friend. Well, and they have to do things for us. Yes, that's true. Like, we're not just shouting out our friends here, even though they are our friends. We have other friends, guys. But they haven't done anything for the show. Exactly. So, Tyler, what are the two trailers that you want to talk about today? The two trailers I want to talk about today, I figured we could do a little bit of a, a return to innocence, if you would. A, uh, the quest for the fountain of youth. Um, I want to talk about kids' movies today. Okay, good, because I also want to talk about kids' movies. And this is unplanned. Yeah, we both just randomly brought two trailers for kids' movies. Because the movie I'm most excited for is the Angry Birds movie 2. You haven't even seen the first one. And also... Frozen 2, oh, both sequels. 2-2. Two, two. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm also going to be talking about a sequel, and then a new movie that's not a new original concept, but new to the big screen. The sequel I'm talking about is Toy Story 4, which will be very exciting to talk about. And the new movie is Dora and the Lost City of Gold, based on, of course, Dora the Explorer, the children's show from Nick Jr. But before we get into any of that, we just have to do a little quick catch-up here. Earlier in this podcast, we talked about Men in Black International, and recently, I was able to see Men in Black International. And here's a quick review. I liked it alright. It's a pretty fun movie. Good popcorn flick. Sit back. Chew some popcorn. Watch the big spectacle action. Kumail Nanjiani is a big standout. Once he enters the movie, the comedy level bumps up, not just because he's a funny guy, even though he is, but because he riffs off Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson so well. I think... The movie is... You could go see it, yeah. If you catch it on Netflix or something, it's also not a must-see in the theater, but I think it is a fun time, so bring your friends, check it out. Way to go. I'm proud of you. Thanks, bud. All right, so let's let's start off today's episode with an opening question. Since we are talking about children's movies today, Ryan, I want to ask you, what was your favorite movie when you were a kid? When I was a kid, let's see, we had so many favorites. I watched course Toy Story, Toy Story 2, Shrek, Shrek 2, so many good films. But I think my favorite movie as a kid was probably The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Even though it has some very adult themes, I really loved that film. I loved Quasimodo. I used to call him Coco because Quasimodo is a big word for an infant. But 
I just felt like it was a fun time, lots of fun colors, and a very exciting time in my childhood. <laughs> How about yourself, Tyler? What fond memories do you have? I think the movie I remember watching, enjoying, repeating lines from, imitating the most when I was a kid, is Spy Kids. Ooh, I almost said Spy Kids. But Spy Kids. I had to go with Coco. It was a great movie. And I had a lot of fun. There's this scene in the movie where Junie and Carmen are at Uncle Machete's house. Ooh, Machete. And they're under the covers, and then they whip the covers back, and they have their glow sticks. And I used to do that all night and be a spy kid. And I was training to join the OSS, but they never called. Dang it, George Clooney. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, Spy Kids, I think, was my favorite. And Spy Kids 2. I didn't enjoy it as much when I was a kid, but now looking back on it, I'm a big fan. Steve Buscemi, chef's kiss. Brilliant. I I actually remember we saw Spy Kids 2 on my birthday in the theater one year. We we went to dinner and then we saw Spy Kids 2 and that was really exciting. So fond memories of Spy Kids as well for me. So there you have it. The most important movies of our childhoods, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, R.I.P., and... Spy Kids. Why R.I.P.? R.I.P. in Notre Dame. Oh, no, it got rebuilt. Well, it still died. It's back, just like Jesus. Amen. You know what else is back, Tyler? What's back? The Toy Story franchise. That's right, Ryan. Wow, segue. Here we go. So, (laughs) Toy Story 4 is the first movie we're talking about today. It comes out on June 21st. It's directed by Josh Cooley, which is his feature directorial debut. Before this, he'd still worked at Pixar as a storyboard artist and writer, but this is the first time he's behind the camera. I don't know if that's a thing to say in animated films, but he's the director. In the director's chair? Yeah, that works. Do they have a chair? I mean, they don't stand all the time, Tyler. I think they just walk behind all the animators and say, WORK! I don't think that's how that works. Probably at Disney it is. Maybe with John Lasseter. (laughs) That's why he's not directing this one. But anyway, the returning cast includes Tom Hanks, Tim Allen... Annie Potts, and Joan Cusack. But we also have newcomers Tony Hale, Jordan Peele, and Keegan-Michael Key. So, this trailer is the fourth, or it's the fourth movie in the franchise. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about the toys are now with Bonnie, their new owner, and Bonnie has just started her schooling, her education, and she's brought home a new toy that she built herself out of arts and crafts materials. A spork known as Forky. Played by Tony Hale. It should be Sporky, but we'll well, allow it. She's five, Tyler. So, Forky is kind of freaking about about his existence because he doesn't believe that he should be a toy and be sentient. So it looks like the movie will feature the toys going on a road trip with Bonnie, Forky getting lost, Woody going to retrieve Forky, and then running into his old flame Bo Peep, which we haven't seen since Toy Story Two, and Bo Peep is no longer the Dame with the sheeps. She is the the woman in charge. She, she wears is, pants now. Yeah, she's a woman of action. <laughs> and Woody is set back. What's happening? Everything's different. Everything's changing. Change seems to be a big theme that I'm getting from these trailers. So, all in all, I'm excited for Toy Story 4 as a longtime fan of the Toy Story franchise. Tyler, what do you think about this? I'm also excited for this movie. I think... Um... The voice cast for the other movies has obviously been great, and I think they've got some really good newcomers on the slate with Tony Hale and uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele as well. And Keanu. Keanu Reeves is joining as Duke Kaboom, a Canadian motorcycle stuntman toy. Exactly. So that's fun. Um, And I just think, yeah, we have a basic premise of the story from the trailer, but there's a lot of room to grow those characters and incorporate more adventures into the story, I guess. There's obviously some sort of narrative involving a carnival or a fair of some sort, but I don't know how that quite plays into the yeah. narrative of Forky being lost and trying to be recovered. So I'm excited to see um, how that plays out in the movie. I think this is... The Toy Story 4 trailer is a great example for me of a movie that gets me excited for the movie because I kind of see the framework of of the film, but it doesn't give me away the key plot points, and I want to go sit in the theater and watch it to see what unfolds. Yeah, it's selling you on the story, but not selling you on the details. 
Exactly. So it's not very spoilery at all, except for a basic premise, which is something that we're fans of as preview uh, enthusiasts. That's true. Yes. Another cool fact about this movie that we found out while we were researching is Don Rickles is reprising his role. But Uh, he's dead, Tyler. Yes. Uh, Don Rickles is back as Mr. Potato Head, uh, even though he passed away in 2017. And the cool thing is that his family contacted Pixar when they heard that Toy Story 4 was in the works and asked if they were able to still bring Rickles to screen as Mr. Potato Head. And Pixar went back and was able to use archival audio of unused lines that he had recorded as Mr. Potato Head for various Toy Story media, TV shows, video games, other movies, video games, outtakes. And they used those unused takes and lines to create the role of Mr. Potato Head in Toy Story 4. So I think this might be the last time we see Don Rickles because I don't know <laughs> if they can pull this off again. They definitely cannot pull it off again. Toy Story 5, Mr. Potato Head is probably going to be in the, the back, the sidelines a little bit. Yeah, he's just going to come in with these one-liners. <laughs> what if they just don't try and incorporate him at all? They just sell a plot point of, like, Mr. Potato Head having, like, dementia or something. Oh. And all of a sudden, he just starts spouting off random lines and jokes <laughs> that have nothing to do with anything going on. They just pull from old Don Rickles films? That's why Jesse isn't really in the movie at all, because she's his primary caretaker. Jesse? You mean... Wait, what? Jesse's Harley in the trailer. Oh, I thought you were talking about Toy Story 5. No. Okay, I'm confused. No, this is in Toy Story 4. Okay. Jesse is a primary caretaker for dementia Mr. Potato Head. Wow, Nurse Jesse. Toy Story 5 takes place after Mr. Potato Head has already died. Oh, I thought he was sold and because he and Mrs. Potato Head were divorced. And oh, well, it. we're going to have to settle this. Based on what we know about Toy Story 4 from this trailer, Ryan, what do you think is going to happen in Toy Story 5? All right, here we go. This is Toy Story 5. Basically, as we all know... The plot of Toy Story 4 ends, and the toys are found out. Everyone knows they're alive, and they can, like, talk and have thoughts and walk around and move. So, here's what's going to happen. Fame is going to hit the toys, and they're going to go, Oh no, what can we do with all this fame? We are meant to just help kids and, like, help their development. Someone who really leans into this idea of fame is... Newcomer in Toy Story 4, but veteran in Toy Story 5. Duke Kaboom. He's a stuntman, so of course he loves the glory. And he goes and he gets signed with a talent agent. And we all know who the villain of this film is if there's a talent agent in the film. So, the talent agent is this sleazy guy. Woody's trying to help Keanu, or Duke Kaboom. Who's going to voice the talent agent? The talent agent will be voiced by... David Cross. Perfect. And... Tony Hale and David Cross are back together for <laughs> the rest of development. So Tony or David Cross will be saying, look, Dukaboom, all your fans, you can do these shows for the new fans. You can write books. You can go on tour. And he sees the fame. But what he doesn't know is that Tony Hale or David Cross is only using him to profit and doesn't care about kids at all. And Woody's trying to help him see that and say, come home to Bonnie who needs you as her toy. It's okay to only help one child even if you aren't reaching everyone, you can make a difference in one person's life. And that's Amazing. what I know is going to happen in Toy Story 5. That's beautiful. Tyler, what is uh, going to happen in your version of Toy Story 5, the wrong version? Well, as I mentioned, Toy Story 4, we're going to see Mr. Potato Head deteriorating uh, due to a severe illness. And Toy Story 5 will obviously open with his funeral. And we see the toys gathered together in mourning. Mrs. Potato Head is an absolute mess. Um, And she takes her life shortly thereafter. Oh, no! Um, Triggered by all of the death and loss, uh, we see a montage of flashbacks. Uh, Buzz Lightyear sees all his friends from Star Command passing away in violent attacks from Zerg and his army. And it's, you know, part war drama. Um, We get, you know, a very, uh, very violent look into the world of Buzz Lightyear before he joined Andy's gang. And uh, he incites a murderous rampage. Murder of toys. Um, because if you think about it, every child on Earth has multiple toys. And if we can assume that all those toys are sentient, they can easily outnumber and take down the human population. And Buzz says, it's not fair that us toys have to hide our existence and the humans can go on living and we must be silent. 
And so he incites this revolt. And as we learned with Forky in Toy Story 4, anything that's just created for the purpose of being a toy becomes sentient. So they have a physically unlimited army because they're able to just create soldiers from nothing and dub them a toy. And thus, they become another pawn in their army. Wow. And we also learned in Toy Story 1 that if your toys break, you can just put them together with random parts and they can still work as sentient beings. So the toys are nearly impossible to kill. Meanwhile, Woody, always being the moral arbiter of the group, is trying to talk Buzz off the metaphorical ledge. Uh, so Woody's the MLK Jr. to Buzz's Meltex. <laughs> and we see a confrontation, of course, between Buzz and Woody. And Toy Story 5, obviously going to be the last in the franchise, brings all this to a culmination when Buzz beheads Woody publicly as a symbol that any toy that speaks against his regime is unsafe. And that's where we end. Wow. I know you can't see this because this is a podcast, but my jaw dropped when Woody's head dropped. <laughs> wow. Thank you for taking us to a dark and real place, Tyler. I just feel like the Toy Story franchise has always been so lighthearted, and we haven't stopped to think about the actual ramifications of sentience within the toys' lives. And they're going to have to deal with these ramifications in Toy Story 5. Yes, I'm glad you're bringing that tone to it, because even in Toy Story 1, where there were assumed cannibal toys, it was still a very lighthearted film. I feel like this is only a slight step up from the furnace scene in Toy Story 3. Uh, so we'll probably get a, a PG rating on this film. Oh, instead of the normal G that all these Toy Story movies get. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of PG rated films, I think we should talk about Dora and the Lost City of Gold now. This movie comes out on August 9th, and is directed by James Bobbin, who directed both the new Muppet films, The Muppets and The Muppets Most Wanted, and also Alice Through the Looking Glass. It stars Isabel Monaire, who you might know from the film Instant Family, which came out last year, Eugenio Derbez, who was in Overboard last year, Michael Pena, who was in Ant-Man and the Wasp last year, Eva Longoria, who maybe was in films last year, Danny Trejo, who is Uncle Machete from our opening question, Ooh. and Benicio Del Toro, who was in Sicario 2 last yes, year. Yes, Dan the Soldado. Yes. So, I am excited for this film. I think it looks fun. James Bobbin, I, I like all his films. Yeah, I would say that I'm a fan of all three of the films. Obviously, The Muppets is the best of the three. The other two are not up to par, but... I think he can bring a sense of fun to a children's series. I like this casting. Danny Trejo is playing Boots the Monkey, which I think is hilarious. And Benicio is playing Swiper, which I think is actually superb casting. If you want to get someone who is going to steal things, just like DJ in Star Wars Episode Eight, Or the Collector in, in the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. Exactly. you got Benicio on your side. And I think Michael Pena, in the trailer at least, looks very funny. So Michael Pena and Eva Longoria play Dora's parents. But Dora is sent away from the jungle to school in this trailer. In the city. Oh, yes. Not just a jungle school. No, yes. Like a public school. But on a field trip, mm -hmm. her and her friends are kidnapped by evil people that want Dora to help them find the lost city of gold which her parents were looking for. And I think it's just going to be a fun romp. Dora is the fish-out-of-water character at school and then thrown back into the jungle and her friends have to root behind her because she's the only one who can help them survive the search for the city of gold and her parents. So I'm excited for this film. What about you, Tyler? I am tentatively optimistic about this movie. When I first heard that they were making a live-action Dora the Explorer movie, I thought it would surely be a joke. And now here it is, coming to the big screen in a matter of weeks. And I don't know that it's going to be good, but I think... I'll have fun watching it. It'll definitely be fun. And <laughs> um, from the first run through of the trailer, I mean, Swiper is nowhere to be seen. And Boots and isn't talking. Boots doesn't talk. He just kind of is like a regular monkey with similar coloring to I don't even think he's what wearing he looks the boots like in the in trailer. The, no, he kind of looks similar to the cartoon, but more like a real monkey. So I'm like, oh, it's going to be a more mature adaptation and it's just going to be... Maybe there won't be a swiper character. Boots will just be like a monkey assistant, you know, like Abu, the real star of Aladdin. Mm. And then I read the Wikipedia page and I find out that arguably two of the movie's biggest stars are voicing Boots and Swiper. 
And they're nowhere to be seen in the trailer. I have no idea how that's going to play into what is going to happen in this movie. So I'm very excited to see, will there actually be a swipe or no swipey moment? Oh, there better be. In the movie. If there if there isn't, I will walk out of the theater. Ah. At the end. Because I won't know until then. Yes, you have to wait through the whole film and then all the credits to make sure there's no post-credits scene of swipe or no swiping. And then once it's all there... Is it and... swiping? Yeah, because he's swiper. Oh, I thought it was no swipey. No. Like, just no. a fun No kid. swipey. That's what I thought it was. No, that's not right. Um, you can fact check us, internet, but I think I'm right. If I'm wrong, tweet at us. Maybe you we'll sound get... right, but I could have sworn it was swipey. I don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I'm excited to see this movie. It'll be fun. I like that they're trying to kind of still make it lighthearted and, you know, children-style movie. It's not like a Tomb Raider thing. Like, yeah. once she tries to make this big leap between rocks, she actually falls. She can't make it because she is a child. <laughs> I think they know what kind of movie this needs to be with casting a director like James Bobbin and putting people in it like Eugenio Derbez and Michael Pena who know they're comedy guys. They know how to make things funny. And I think it, it will kind of lean into the awkwardness of it being a cartoon adaptation. You know, kind of like the Muppets where they do have a little bit of that meta humor and a little bit of that satire within them. And uh, hopefully that'll be a strength of the movie and not a detriment and take away from it still being a kid's movie and a fun movie. Cool. Anything else to add? No. All right. <laughs> well, then let's get talking about... Perhaps the first movie franchise inspired by a mobile app. It's the only one I can think of. They were going to make a Plants vs. Zombies movie, and I don't know what happened. Wow, where's Spotify? Oh, the Emoji movie. Does that count? It's not a, an app. Well, they go, well to, they go to, like, Just Dance and stuff like that. I guess it's incorporated. And Rocket Ralph 2 touched on it a little bit. But what we're talking about is the Angry Birds <laughs> movie 2. This film comes out August 14th. It's directed by... Thorop Van Orman and John Rice. Who are they, Tyler? Some random cartoonists and artists. Um, Thorop Van Orman is known for creating the Cartoon Network series, Flapjack, and John Rice, I guess, directed a couple episodes of Rick and Morty. And now they're doing Angry Birds Movie 2. Uh, this cast has some interesting folks. Uh, Jason Sudeikis, Josh Gad, I believe Bill Hader are returning from the first film, Danny McBride, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. And they have some newcomers like Leslie Jones, Rachel Bloom, Nicki Minaj, Aquafina, Sterling K. Brown, Eugenio Derbez. Hey. Who, so he'll be in Dora and Angry Birds 2. I think they open a week apart from each other, so you can go see Eugenio one week and then go hear him again the next week. That's true. And uh, Peter Dinklage. He's also returning. Oh, he is returning. I was going to say, hot off Game of Thrones Season 8, just getting thrown into... Angry no, Birds in, 2. He was in Angry Birds 1, too. Wow. He's the eagle. Uh, I've seen half of Angry Birds 1. Peter Dinklage isn't British in real life, right? I don't know. He's not? Or uh, you don't know? I don't know is the answer. I didn't know if it was I don't dot 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 know or I don't know. Well, it's uh, the K-N-O-W either way. <laughs> so what is this movie about, Tyler? Is it just more Angry Birds fighting the pigs? In this, in this movie, it appears from the trailer that the birds and the pigs have reached some sort of mutual... A truce. Yeah, like truce. They still don't like each other, but they're not fighting. But then, lo and behold, the pigs come to Bird Island, or whatever it's called. I haven't seen the first one, but the Bird pigs. Bird Island sounds right. The pigs are now on the same island as the birds, and they say, "Let's team up," because there's a third island that has Ice Island, some other type of creature. I don't know what they're Leslie supposed to Jones be. Leslie Jones Bird. Yeah, like penguins or puffins. Oh well, no, she's like colorful. They're like weird purpley like things. Exotic creatures and they say let's team up and create mass extinction of this other species genocide <laughs> i have no idea it's it's getting close to ethnic cleansing as far as i'm concerned yeah all the colorful ones must go <laughs> <laughs> but you know to prepare for this film i've been playing a lot of angry birds 2 on my phone and i don't know how they're going to incorporate anything from the <laughs> game into the movie um I didn't even see a slingshot in the trailer. I didn't see a single slingshot. I didn't see hardly anybody use their power up. You know, Chuck can go fast through wood. Blue well, can split himself into three Danny pieces. Danny McBride is still the bomb. He blows up. He does blow up. But it's, isn't it more of a metaphor and he, like, gets really angry? No, I think he, like, gets gassy. Ugh. If I remember who was correctly. Oh, no. So this movie... 
does not look good. It looks better than the first one to me. I have no idea if it looks better than the first one, to be honest. I watched half the first one and then fell asleep because I was tired. This is one of those animated kids' films that I watch a trailer and I'm like, this looks dumb. And then they put all the cast on the screen and I'm like, I like all those people. Now I want to see it. But I know it's just an exercise in self-torture. Who knows? Maybe Sterling K. Brown can really bust out his comedy chops (laughs) and make it a hit. Sterling K. Brown just brings in the super serious drama. I just met my father. It's an emotional character piece. (laughs) Jason Sudeikis has to really reconcile with himself. It's and Peter Dinklage gives one of his Emmy winning speeches. Oh. How trippy would it be if <laughs> Angry Birds movie two is better than Game of Thrones season eight? Not hard to do. Honestly, I don't think Angry Birds Two can be better than any season of Game of Thrones. That's true. Angry Birds movie two, I don't know. I might go see it. I don't think it'll be as fun as Dora. And definitely not even close to Toy Story Four. So right now it's at the bottom of my list. Spoiler alert for the end of the episode. But if you want to catch up, Angry Birds 1 is on Netflix, and we could watch it and then go see Angry Birds 2. Let's do it. Cool. Check our Instagram for opening night Angry Birds 2 tickets. Ooh, maybe we'll live tweet us watching We're Angry not gonna Birds live. 1. Oh, Angry Birds 1. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, but I don't know. Could be for fun. a movie that came out, what, four years ago? Yeah, also, it's been a really long time, and Angry Birds hasn't been relevant in so long. I mean, you've been playing it a lot, but you also... Well, this is to prepare for the movie. Okay. So look forward to us maybe live-tweeting Angry Birds 1, and definitely seeing Angry Birds 2. Yeah, I don't know. I might not see it. I kind of want to right now, but when it, like, comes down to do it, I might just be like, hmm. Maybe it's, like, a Discount Tuesday tickets, like, three weeks after the movie's been out. And it's like early September and nothing else is really out. Sure. We can't go opening weekend. The last thing we want to do is inflate its box office opening. This movie can't appear to be good to Hollywood because I definitely don't want an Angry Birds movie 3. You don't want the trilogy? (laughs) No. The golden trilogy. 2 is about the max I think anybody can handle. Wow. Speaking of number 2s. Yeah, let's move into our final trailer of the episode. Frozen 2. So Frozen obviously was the smash hit Disney film that came out. 2012. In 2012? That's not correct. Quick fact checking. <laughs> Ryan's Googling. Do something so there's not dead air. Or are we cut Oh, it's going to be dead air just so we know how long it takes you to Google. 2013. I was close. Okay, so one year after what Ryan said. So it's been six years since Frozen came out, and you still haven't got Let It Go out of your head. I know it. I, I kind of have. Do you want to build a snowman stuck in my head? Oh, uh, that's a worse song. What? It's definitely better than that troll song. That troll song is so fun. Fixer Upper. No. (laughs) Fixer Upper, they created a whole HGTV series (laughs) inspired by that song. Wow, it's definitely bottom tier Frozen song. The best song is the opening track with the harmonizing where they're like, away, 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 No, not that one. That's the name of the song. It's a different one. It's like the soundtrack. It's not the song that the ice people sing. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Frozen 2, Tyler. Frozen 2 is coming out November 22nd. It's directed by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee. They directed Frozen 1. Chris Buck also directed Tarzan. Another movie with songs in it. It's true. Returning to the cast are Idina Menzel, or Adele Dazim, as John Travolta might say, mm-hmm. as Elsa, Kristen Bell as Anna, Jonathan Groff as no, he's not Hans. Kristoff. Kristoff is his name. Josh Gad as Olaf, the snowman. Santina Fontana is returning as Hans. Ooh, didn't think he we'd see him be back, but he will be. He's not in the trailer, though, so spoilers. He's on the Wikipedia page, I mean. In the plot of movies, there's in the Wikipedia page. Not yet, it's not out yet. I mean, it will be eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it's been announced that Santina Fontana will be in this movie. And also newcomers, Evan Rachel Wood of... Across the Universe and Westworld. And Sterling K. Brown of the Angry Birds movie 2. And the... This is and us. no other roles. <laughs> Only Angry Black Birds Panther. 2. <laughs> so, in the trailer for Frozen 2, we see Elsa, Anna... Kristoff. Kristoff. Why can't I remember his name? And Olaf are... And Sven. Sven is there too. What are they doing? <laughs> They're on an adventure into 
the mystical world of the North. And uh, I don't really know what's going to happen. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. There's in like the a watery. There's a water horse. Yeah. And a magic horse. And the trolls are back. The it's... trolls are back. I hope we get another troll track. This trailer had a very serious tone to it, too. Very different than how Frozen is perceived. It was like, you know, Disney Avengers style thing where they're like, we used to think that Elsa was too powerful and now we better hope that she's powerful enough. What do they have to do? They have to go to the north with the water What do they have to stop? The giant rock monsters that were also in the trailer. Is Sterling K. Brown the rock monster? I don't, I didn't get the idea that the rock monsters talked, but maybe... Maybe he's just misunderstood. Maybe Evan Rachel Wood is the water horse. Ooh. She could pull that off. So, just some assumptions about this film. I think that we might see Anna get powers in this movie. Really? I don't think that. Because if you think about it, it's like, what are the chances, genetically, that one of your daughters is born with magical powers, and the other one is just like, nah. Well, I, I think it's genetics. You know, what are the chances, like, one child is born with brown hair and the other one's born with blonde hair well i didn't do the punnett square or anything but i feel like there's a higher chance that... we need to know if it's a recessive or dominant trait <laughs> that's true we could figure it out if we cared more about biology well i got a two on my ap bio test so this is not my forte i didn't take ap bio but i watched <laughs> the show and it got canceled and i'm sad about that sad Save Patton Oswalt and Glenn Howerton's career. Bring back AP Bio. They're going to be fine. NBC, this is your only hope. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know what to expect from Frozen 2. But it does seem like it's a more serious tone. And I'm excited to see where they take it. It was interesting that the trailers focused on more like serious and more of action tone. When Frozen is known such for like its music. And it didn't look like there was like any scenes from the trailer. It didn't look like they were singing in them. But... There can't be any universe where Frozen 2 isn't a musical, right? No, it's definitely going to be a musical, just especially because all the cast are known for their singing voices. Especially Sterling K. Brown. Maybe not him. <laughs> but with the return of Hans, is also, like, what's going to happen there? How does he fit into this magical Northland storyline? So that's why I'm thinking it's a bit of an Avengers type of thing where we have to bring people together because there's a, a greater threat out there to our oh, kingdoms. So you think Hans is going to team up like an X-Men 2 situation? I was thinking more like what Game of Thrones Season 8 could have been. <laughs> this is very inside baseball with pop culture references <laughs> that you may not be aware of. But... It looks like the bad guys and the good guys teaming up to defeat the magic guys? The worst guys. I honestly didn't have that take, but I think maybe Elsa has to go out because Hans has found something in the North to use like as a power. Do you think Hans is still the villain? Yeah. Hmm. Just like Return of Jafar, where Jafar is still the villain. I feel like him getting pushed off the boat at the end of Frozen 1... Is pretty symbolic of his... Dethroning as the villain? Yeah. Interesting. This is also notable because this is the first time in a long time, if you don't count Wreck-It Ralph 2, that we got a Disney sequel in theaters. We had The Rescuers Down Under. We had Fantasia 2000. We had Ralph Breaks the Internet. There aren't many. There are not many. And I think, obviously, Frozen was a huge cultural and financial success. So Disney's all about that money. But also, I think the writers see this as an opportunity to take these characters in a new direction. And I think Frozen 1 kind of already tried to move away from the natural Disney princess storyline because the true love in the movie was the love between sisters and not a romantic interest, even though they did end up establishing romantic interest between Kristoff and Anna. But I think they're trying to, you know, show that Disney-type characters can still have more profound, more elaborate narratives than the typical Disney movie. Yeah, when I watch this trailer, it doesn't seem like a Disney princess movie to me. It seems more like a animated adventure film. And Elsa's wearing pants now. Just like Bo Peep. Yeah, I think this is going to be a real year of growth for animated Disney heroines. Yeah, 2019, the year of women in pants for Disney. Mm-hmm. But besides women in pants, I think that Frozen 2 will be a fun movie. I think we'll see a lot of character development, like we said. And I'm excited to see it when it comes out later this year. I'm also excited to see it, but I'm not excited to see more rock trolls. Ooh, I am. And more Olaf. I like Olaf. In Summer is fun. In Summer is a great song. That's probably top tier. Definitely mid, at least. Top. I mean, I don't know. We can rank them later. All right. 
Check out next episode for our Frozen song rankings. It's happening. No, we're establishing it on this episode. And then then we're going to lack continuity when we don't do it next week. I'll share my rankings. (laughs) Okay. All right, we're going to move into our final segment. We've got a very exciting segment for everyone uh, this episode. Ryan's really into box office numbers, and he's always telling me what movies grossed, how much money movies made, and most of the time, these astronomically large numbers just kind of make me sick, and I think of what I could do with all that money. But it's also great when good pieces of art make a lot of money, they're successful in the box office, so it's kind of a toss-up. I mean, these movies cost a lot of make, so they got to make a lot of money to be able to pay for what they already did. Millions. Sometimes billions. Sometimes two billions. Wow. But not often. Only twice. So we thought a fun segment would be for us to kind of kick off the summer. In with the middle us. of the summer. It's not the middle yet. It's only June. Okay. Summer started in May in movie season. And it's halfway through June. Okay. Well, we thought that we would take a look back and a look forward at the summer movie season and rank what we think will be the top 10 highest grossing summer releases of this year domestically. So we're talking just within the U.S. And Canada. Domestic numbers include Canada. And then at the end of the summer, when we release an episode in... September. September, we will come back to what the actual box office numbers are and score ourselves. See how we did ranking the top 10. We will receive two points if we place the movie at the correct placement. So... If the number one movie is the number one movie, for example. And we'll receive one point if a movie we name on our top ten list even makes the top ten. This is pretty difficult, I gotta say. It's kind of easy getting the first couple slots. It's a little bit harder when we get down the list because you don't know what quite's gonna edge out the next thing, you know? Exactly. And if you're wondering, hey, why didn't you do this at the beginning of the summer since this is covering May through August? Well, the answer is we didn't have a podcast in May. But we do now. And now you're subject to all of our musings. Exactly. One of them being our top ten box office predictions for the summer. So Ryan's going to kick us off. We're going to each share three movies at a time. We're going to start with our number ten placement. Ryan will share his tenth, ninth, eighth placement. Then I will do the same. And we'll go on from there until we both share our number one movie that we think is going to make the most money this summer. Ryan, what are the first three movies on your list? So, honestly... Numbers 6 through 10 were really hard for me to place, but I did my best. And kicking off at number 10, I put the R-rated comedy Good Boys at number 10. The trailer looks really funny, and I've been hearing a lot of good buzz from people who've seen the trailer. At number 9, I put Annabelle Comes Home, because you got to count on that Conjuring franchise to bring in the money. And at number 8, I put The Secret Life of Pets 2. Even though it didn't kick off to a great box office open, it's still at number one for the second week in a row. I think it can at least get to number eight. And the first one made so much money. It did, but the second one opened to less than half of the opening of the first one. Crazy. Tyler, what do you have for your well, top three? Any none, of the same? None of those movies even made my top ten list. Wow, this is exciting. So these are going to be wildly different. The number ten movie I have on my list is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. We've talked about this movie before. I don't really know why. I think... It'll make a good amount of money because people like seeing big monsters fight on screen. But I'm not banking on it bringing in all the dough. So it's at number 10. Coming in at number 9, I have Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Quentin Tarantino's most recent film, Hateful Eight, did not do that great in the box office. But the movie before that, Jingle and Chain, did quite well. And so I'm thinking that, you know, people really like Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. People might be really into the kind of 60s vibe, whereas Hateful Eight was kind of still doing the cowboy, Civil War era type stuff that Django was doing. And Hateful Eight was long. And it was really long. And so I think that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has a better chance at being a, a larger box office success than Tarantino's most recent film. So I have that in at number nine. And at number eight, I have what I believe is currently, as in the recording of this podcast, the second or third highest grossing movie of the summer so far, which is Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Again, don't know why, but I feel like people I know liked it enough to go see it. People were really interested how it would play on screen, so I think that really got butts in seats because they wanted to see what a live-action Pokemon movie would be like, and I think it'll have enough to, to slot it at number eight at the end of the summer. Interesting. I didn't have Godzilla or Detective Pikachu on my list because 
I don't think they're going to hold well throughout the summer. I don't know if they'll make it on the top ten, but we'll see at the end of the summer. But going into my 7-6-5, you might see a familiar face in something you said that wasn't Godzilla or Pokemon. Ooh, so the third thing that I said. Yes, and if you're listening, you know what that was. <laughs> so, number seven, John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. John Wick was an earlier release this summer, and it's been holding really well. People are going to go see it. They're seeing it multiple times because the box office is doing really well. It's making more money than the previous two movies, and it's the summer of Keanu. People are loving Keanu in the media right now, so I think they want to go support him. Number six, a familiar face, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think people will go see a new Tarantino movie. It's been a while since the last one. People are excited for Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, big stars. 60s looks fun. Tyler said a lot of this earlier. And at number five, I put Aladdin, the 2019 remake. Aladdin's been doing really well. It's in 700 millions right now, almost to a billion if you round up, you know, from seven to a billion. But people seem to be really attaching to it and going back and seeing it multiple times. And it's holding really well, so I'm thinking number five is a good slot for Aladdin. Those are all good choices. I also have, in my number seven slot, John Wick 3. Whoa, So that'll be cool. At the end of the summer, we might both get two points if it, if it lands there. Um, yeah, people like Keanu right now. I think it's going to get a lot of rewatches from fans of the series. And I think it has a good chance of continuing to make money well into its theatrical run. So I think it'll do well by the end of the summer. And number six, I have Men in Black International. I'm just guessing that... People are excited to see Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson on screen in a fun alien movie. It's been a while since the last Men in Black movie came out, and I think especially some older fans of the original movies when they came out might be interested to go see this uh, revamp of the franchise. And at number five, I have the Fast and Furious spinoff, Hobbs and Shaw. Fast and Furious movies make a lot of money. I think people are fans of Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham, and this one looks less bad because Vin Diesel's not in it. So it looks kind of fun and funny and not trying to have this awkward, serious tone that Vin Diesel tries to blend into the Fast and Furious movies. So I think this will be a lot of uh, a lot of just casual moviegoers to see some fun action comedy. I agree with you, Tyler, and that's why Fast and Furious present Hobbs and Shaw <laughs> is number four on my list. Wow. I feel like I've heard a lot of people say Hobbs and Shaw were their favorite parts of the more recent uh, Fast and Furious movies. I haven't seen any of them, but this trailer is really exciting and makes me want to see it, even though I haven't seen any of the other films. And that's why I'm putting it at number four. But number three, I put my boy Spider-Man. When he goes far from home, he's going to make a lot of money. It's coming right off the tails of Avengers Endgame, which is made over $2 billion in the box office. Iron Man 3 came right off the tails of Avengers and made over a billion after the Avengers. There's a holdover period where people will go back and see a character they like on screen. But I don't think it'll have enough money to beat my number two film, which is Toy Story 4. I believe so many fans of the franchise are going to go out. There are people in their 30s and their 20s and all the way down to like infants that are going to go see this movie because they've grown up with Toy Story. And it's a Pixar film, it's a sequel, it's going to make a lot of money. I have all of those in my rankings. Yeah, I know you have Fast and Furious because you already said that one. But now I'm worried I have them out of order. But I'm going to go for it because we got to have some uh, diversity in our opinions here. So I have Toy Story 4 in my number 4 slot. Oof, 4? I uh, don't know why I was attracted to the number 4 in the title. <laughs> so now that's my reasoning and it's going to be in number 4. Number 3 is going to be Aladdin. Because people love Aladdin. So hot! You know? And people are going to go see Will Smith Genie because they love it. I'm laughing now, but in September I'm going to look like an ass for laughing at you when Aladdin comes at number two. Or three, you had, right? Mm-hmm. And at number two, I have Spider-Man Far From Home. I think Spider-Man's going to make a lot of money since it's coming off of Endgame. If you think about how much money Iron Man 3 made off of the Avengers, Endgame is now like... The biggest superhero movie of all time, and Spider-Man is not just following it, but playing off of the events of Endgame. And I think it's going to get a lot, a lot of viewers and repeat viewers that are excited to savor this last morsel of Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe before we take probably a long hiatus as uh, Kevin Feige and co. produce what's to come for Phase 4. I 
don't think there's going to be a long hiatus. I just don't think they've told us yet. Hmm, that's true. All right, so Tyler, do you want to say our number one pick together? Because I believe we have the same pick. I mean, I haven't seen your list, but you haven't said this film yet, and I believe it's going to make a lot of money. I think it will, too. One, two, three. The Angry Lion Birds King. movie, too. Whoa! Just kidding. It's obviously The Lion King. Come on. Donald Glover. Beyonce. Seth Rogen. Billy Eichner. James Earl Jones is back. We got Chiwetel Ejiofor as Scar. Keep naming names. I'm trying to go through Eric the trailer. Andre. Eric Andre is there. He's a hyena. John Oliver. John Oliver Zazu. There are other John people. Connie is Rafiki. And the girl from Us is young Nala. Which girl? Old girl or little girl? Well, it's not Lupita Nyong'o. No. Oh, okay, okay. The teenage daughter. Well, no, I meant like, did you mean the girl? Oh, not young, young Adelaide. Yeah. No, the teenage daughter. Um, okay, cool. So... Those are people I know that are in the movie, but the reason I think it'll make a lot of money is it's The Lion King. And if Aladdin is doing so well, and Aladdin is a beloved Disney movie, but I don't think quite as beloved as Lion King. And I think we're going to get a lot of multi-generational viewers in theaters to see this movie, maybe even more than once if it's really good. And I think it'll dominate the box office at the end of the summer. I agree that a lot of people are going to go see this movie because they love The Lion King. I've heard a lot of people talking about how they're excited to see it. If people came out to see Aladdin, and I didn't really hear many people buzzing about Aladdin, but it's made this much money, then The Lion King is going to do way better than that because people love The Lion King way more. I personally am not super excited for it, even though the cast looks great. To me, it looks kind of like the thing we already saw, but honestly, I'm probably going to go see it too, and it's going to get my a-list money Ooh, ryan's getting into his opinion about the movie even though we're not talking about the movie on this episode i mean i'm talking about it a that's a bit. preview review breach of contract oh am i fired ryan's fired from the podcast it's just me from now on wow just Bye. kidding <laughs> i'm back i can't do this you're rehired yes so yeah lion king is gonna be number one there's no question about it so that rounds up our box office predictions check back with us the first week of September, when we rank, or I guess award Score. points, yeah. scores the word, yes, to each other, and then the winner will get a prize. Tyler, what are we going to win? I think the winner should receive a gift inspired by whichever movie lands in the, and I'm doing a blind guessing here, just going to drop my pen on my paper without looking, whichever movie lands in the... Seven. Number seven spot, which we both guessed, John Wick 3, whichever movie actually lands in that slot, the uh, loser will have to provide the winner a gift inspired by that movie. Such as like a John Wick Funko Pop or something like yeah. that. Yeah, or a pet dog. Well, I'm not doing that, so if I lose and it's John Wick, you're getting the John Wick Funko Pop. <laughs> Update on my overalls, I still don't have them. Tyler hasn't bought anything. You know, I haven't had a chance to get to Walmart yet. And, uh... You'll know when I know what I've won, but... But I am very excited to dress you up as Chucky. And that's that's gonna be likely the outcome, because Chucky dolls on Amazon are expensive. They are. We looked at them. They go for a lot of money. And then the cheap ones look weird. Yep. So Ryan's gonna dress up as Chucky, eventually. That's my prize. What if Chucky lands in the number seven spot? We didn't Child's even think play. about wow. that. I could get two Chucky prices. But as we round up this episode tyler what do you think was your favorite trailer from the week out of toy story 4 dora and the lost city of gold angry birds 2 and frozen 2 i gotta say i think my favorite trailer of the week was frozen 2 it's kind of the earlier trailer for the movie i think we'll get a a a more fleshed out one as we get closer to the release date but i do really like how it's trying to introduce a new tone to the series and uh just start to illustrate this new adventure that our characters are gonna are gonna go on. So I'm gonna say Frozen Two is my favorite trailer of this episode. So are you saying that's also the movie you're most excited for, or is that something else? Definitely not. The movie I'm most excited to see is definitely Toy Story Four. Um, I loved all three of the first Toy Story movies, and I'm excited to see what they do with the characters I know and love, as well as the newcomers in this new installment in the franchise. So Toy Story Four is definitely the movie I'm most excited to see that we talked about so far. I'm also most excited to see Toy Story Four. Even though, spoilers, it's not my favorite trailer from the week, just like you. But I am so excited to go back to this world. Even though I thought Toy Story 3 rounded off the trilogy very nicely, I'm coming back for more. I love these toys. 
give me some buzz, give me some Woody, I gotta see him on the big screen. But the trailer that I thought was my favorite from the week was actually Dora in the Lost City of Gold. <laughs> I knew you were going to pick that. I, I thought it was so fun. I just am excited to see this movie too. The tone looks fun. It looks campy and lovable and a fun action kid romp. But Toy Story 4, you're the winner of the week with two out of four. Yay. Yay. Great job. Josh Cooley, this is your first major award from a podcast you didn't know existed. <laughs> Congratulations. First timer. This is the very first award that you will receive for a Toy Story 4, given that the movie has not come out yet. That is correct. Based solely on the trailer, you've already received your first award as a director. Congratulations, Josh Cooley. You can quit now. You've got yep. the best award in all of Hollywood. You're done. Get out of here. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Preview Review, everybody. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Preview Review, R-E-V-U-E. Respect the spelling. We are now streaming on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Music. Our application, I guess, is still being processed by Apple. So Apple product users, hopefully, we'll get to you soon. If you're listening to this now on Apple Podcasts, we, we did, did it. it. If you're listening to on Podbean... You're an OG. <laughs> this is, yeah, you're a day one hanging out on our podcast host site. Just download Spotify or Stitcher. They're really easy to use. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have to say for this week's episode. Yep. We'll catch you next week when we discuss more trailers on another episode of Preview Review. See you later. Bye. Bye.